Insurance dudes, insurance dudettes, welcome. Do you ever feel like a caged lion in a corporate jungle? Well, UPNC captive carrier and agents, you just may. And you know what? We want to help you with that. Today, we're going to unlock law number one from the 48 Laws of Power by Robert Greene. We're going to do this over the course of, well, you can do the math, how many more episodes that's going to be. But I want to help set you free so that you don't lose your stripes. Let's dive in. Insurance dudes are on a mission to escape being handcuffed by our agencies. How? By uncovering the secrets to creating a predictable, consistent, and profitable agency sales machine. I am Craig Pretzinger. I am Jason Feldman. We are agents. We are insurance dudes. All right, so we're jumping into Robert Greene's 48 Laws of Power. It's a playbook for navigating the treacherous waters of power dynamics, right? We need to move energy. We need to take control. We need to have power. But at the same time, we have to be strategic about it, right? It's a, this law is a real game changer, um, especially if you've ever felt like you're an entrepreneur, but you're in a straitjacket. Uh, I know that in this world, when we, so however we ended up in the uh, insurance world, especially as a PNC agent and especially as a captive PNC agent. So if that's, if that's you, then you're, you're in the right spot. Even if you're an independent, you may feel this at some times. And it's the notion of being in that situation where uh, you were sold the idea, you're a full entrepreneur, it's your business, you're going to be able to do whatever you want. But then you realize that there's a little bit more control over that than may have been thought previously. And that's okay, right? This is the situation that we're in, and now we have to work with what we have. Uh, but I'd like to coin a term here and call it a franchipreneur. I'm not necessarily a full entrepreneur, more of a franchipreneur, kind of a franchise owner. So we still have a little bit of a corporate playbook that we got to follow, some rules and, and, uh, and heightened security measures just to protect the company. But at the same time, we need to win. So we have to be really strategic about that because we don't want to create an adversarial relationship. We want to create a symbiotic relationship. And law number one is a great place to start, which is probably why Robert started there. So law number one is never outshine the master. Now, it's not just about showing off. It's about strategic humility. So let's, let's say that again, strategic humility, right? There's a time and a place to be, to be braggadocio. Or maybe even not, right? Nobody really loves a braggart. Um, it's okay to celebrate. We need to be careful though, right? And we need to be we need to be very strategic about where we place credit because at the end of the day, assuming and taking all of the credit yourself, even if you are the one who who facilitated that, is gonna rub people the wrong way. It's gonna rub the team the wrong way. And if you're out and about saying it. And don't give credit or don't have your FSL or your, I'm sorry, your market leader in mind, there could be issues, right? We need to be strategic about this. Let's look at Robert Greene's example. So he throws out a couple examples to, to really drive this home. And I think they're fantastic. They're old, trusted, and, and uh, true. We have a lot of hindsight now to look back at these things. But take out uh, Galileo, right? Um, you know, he's the first... One of the first, I guess it's argued, uh, him and Copernicus. But Gal let's look at Galileo. We're talking 1632, so way back, right? Almost 400 years ago. 
And he's over here figuring some things out about where we are in the universe, about where we are in the solar system, about, oh no, wait a minute, mathematically, it's impossible that the earth is the center. It's the sun. We're all rotating around the sun. Well, remember, this is a time where the Catholic Church had a lot of power, still have a lot of power, but a tremendous amount of power and control over everything, um, all the way up to the throne, right, where where they are. And when you're looking at this, so we have Pope Urban the Eighth at the time did not like to be outshone. Galileo understood this. So instead of bringing um, creating friction instead of instead of saying, "Hey guys, guess what? Uh, church is wrong." Any sentence that starts with "the church is wrong," especially back then, is going to be a lot of problems. Uh, so he was strategic about it, thought this through, and would frame his discoveries as a mathematical hypothesis, not as an absolute truth. Just as, "Hey, I found this idea. I applied math." It seems to be the way that things work. And then how he leveraged it with, uh, with the Pope was it was the Pope's idea. So he gave credit to the math that proves out this, the, the hypothesis to the person who's going to be the, the one who would have been his greatest adversary, but instead gives him credit, doesn't take the credit himself. And this humility is what basically, well, number one, probably kept him alive. And number two, allowed for him to create and do many, many more groundbreaking uh, contributions to science. So really, really important, right? He figured that out. He played some chess on this bad boy. Now, let's look at somebody who didn't follow it. We have uh, Nicolas Fouquet. I hadn't ever heard of him, but I thought this was interesting. So this is a 17th century, same time period, right? 1600s. Um, and this is over in France. So King Louis uh, the 14th was the big man in France, right? And Fouquet was was in the inner circle, was one of the the lead advisors and he wanted to to be moved up, as I recall, wanted to be moved up from like one position to basically the hand if you watched uh Game of Thrones, right? So be the right-hand man. Well, he thought that he could do this by having a giant party uh in honor of the king, right? He thought, hey, I'm going to have this big party at my place. I have this, I have this huge house. I've been doing well. Um, you know, he invited everybody, all the, all the A-listers a to this party. And it was such a big thing. It was the biggest party that, ever, that had ever happened. It basically outshone the king. Well, king didn't like it. The king felt it made him look like a bum and thought that Nicholas was doing it on purpose. So he took it personally. The king felt humiliated. So guess what? Fouquet ends up spending the rest of his life in jail, dies in jail. So this is obviously 400 a year ago consequences of doing this, but this type of thing can happen now. Now let's apply this in our world, right? We would think, and, and, I, and as I thought about this myself, I thought, okay, how does this apply? Because, well, Technically, we don't have a boss, right? Most of us who own agencies aren't aren't uh, in it, or we are in it because we wanted to be our own boss, right? We wanted to do this, and then we we signed up thinking we're going to be our own boss, especially over in the um, in the captive side, and we get a little bit of a reality check because we do have uh, 
little bit of a corporate puppeteer, right? They have a certain agenda. They have a certain need uh, to serve, whether it's a mutual company or a, a, a publicly traded company. They have different people that they're responsible for results for. The primary relationship with corporate is not between the agent and corporate. No, the, it is with it is between corporate and the shareholders, corporate, the mutual, uh, th those who are part of the mutual company. So we have to figure out, A, how are we going to get our best results? B, how are we going to do those best results and, and be, put ourselves into positions that create more opportunity, right? And also be authentic because that's important too. You don't want to just be a fake person and do this. So number one, we got to realize that we're not just an entrepreneur, right? We're something else entirely and not be upset and try to sh shove entrepreneur into this place where it isn't necessarily a hundred percent accurate, right? We need to look at what we are and where we're at. And we are in that French entrepreneur location, right? This is the duality of the role. We have to make the decisions. We have to, we have to be independent in that where the owner and we're operating this business or we have somebody else operating that business, but we are tied to rules, regulations, uh, agendas, and all of the different things that come with a relationship to that corporate entity. So once that's understood, great, right? Great. So this means we definitely need to play it smart with corporate, right? We need to play play the game by the rules. So we need to know the rules. You could have the best, most amazing ideas all day long, but if they're not allowed to be implemented in this business, then don't, right? If they're not, don't, it, there's no reason to push the envelope when there's plenty of opportunity to do it in the way that it's preferred by the company. So no, no reason to get in trouble. And it's important to also Position yourself in understanding that our role is to make our uh, market leaders look good, right? Make them look good because then when other opportunities come up the, through the law of recipro reciprocation, which somewhere down here, some point, and that's just a teaser, they're going to be, they're going to be indebted to helping you. So again, if we come from a place of wanting to help, we talk about this all the time. That's what we do, right? We're coming here from a place of, of wanting to help agents because we struggled and that's why we share. So just finding that strategic alignment with the market leaders, making them look good and become indispensable, right? Offer your help, offer your assistance. I love to offer help to our regional leaders, to anybody that that wants us to talk. We've, we've given so many talks, different webinars, shared all of the different ways that, that we've grown our agencies. And it's really proven to help a lot, right? To have those good relationships. You could love corporate all you want, but if you don't show that you're willing to contribute and that you're willing to play ball and that you, that you want to play nice and you're going to follow the rules, then you have problems and it's not worth it, right? So we got to swallow that pride. We have to check that ego at the door. And we know if you're getting upset, I thought about this the other day, I mean, it's easy, right? It's easy to get upset because things constantly change and there can be a lot of frustration. So it's easy to get upset and just throw your arms up and, ah, why is this happening to me? Right? But I remember somebody on the podcast saying, why is this happening for me? I love it. Right? Why is this happening for me? And just being ready 
to accept that things are going to change, right? Another big one. One of my uh, one of my mentors and dear friends said it all the time. But being being right is insufficient for being effective, right? We need to set aside the right, the need to be right. Who cares? Right? We get on these calls and everybody has to friggin' chime in and put in their two cents and and have the last word and and be right, right? Be right. Everybody wants to be right. Does it matter? I just want to be effective. I mean, sure, I love to be right. Everybody loves to be right. And I think it's important to notice when we're in that frame where we're trying to be right, right? If if you notice you're having friction in a conversation, take a step back and, and wonder, am I trying to be right? Is that what I'm doing right now? Am I just trying to be right just to be right? And see how that goes, right? Because a lot of times when we're trying to be right, we're trying to move somebody off a certain position. And that takes a lot of work, right? Why not just come to an understanding to get to that outcome? And that's the most important part. So your effectiveness comes from doing your job in a way that assures your, your superiors that you're on their team, right? They have contests. If you're a high producing agent, a lot of times the contests are so ridiculous that because they're geared to the masses, right? The, the contest is so simple or maybe the prize is so low or doesn't seem like a big deal that you just, man, whatever, right? But not a good approach, right? They're doing these contests because they're trying to help. They're, they're trying to create incentives and, and they're doing that to show their strength with their superiors, right? They want to impress their superiors. So why not help them by making their contests effective, right? Always be on the prowl for a new contest, whatever's going on from corporate, take advantage of that. Also, it's free dollars, even if it's not a lot, right? If you've scaled and these are little things, it's still worth doing. Think long-term, think strategically. Want to help them hit their bonuses, right? You find your own path to freedom and wealth by helping others to achieve their goals because then they're going to, in turn, reciprocate and help you. And especially not looking for that because it's fun to help others, right? If somebody's confused, if somebody doesn't understand, I mean, it happens every week in our in our elite dudes calls when we're sitting down, we're, we're going through the telefunnel and explaining it. It it helps so much just to, to coach them through it, right? It helps us. So that is the first law. The first law, grasshopper cannot outshine the master. Very important. So appreciate you listening. If, you, if this was if this resonated with you, please pound that subscribe button. Throw a comment in there if you have any questions. If you want to talk some trash, throw a comment in there. Tell me that it wasn't a great episode. I want to hear it all. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening. See you next time.